0: Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on me and on all of us gathered here. Lord, take my words and make them yours. Take all of our thoughts and make them yours. And take our hearts and set them on fire for you. Father, we love you. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may have been included in by the fact that there's no video, that that we're doing things a bit different this week. Uh, We're going to take a a short break from preaching on the uh, Bible reading plan that we've been doing, because if I'm asking you to turn in pledge cards at the end of the month, I feel like I ought to spend some time talking about stewardship and and what it means to give and and sort of the the spiritual side of that. So we're going to do that for the next three weeks. And if you are just desperately missing... Uh, teaching on the one-year Bible. Remember that I put out a podcast every Wednesday. It's up on the church website and on the church Facebook page where I I do some teaching on the one-year Bible. And what I've been doing in the past is I've been kind of focusing that teaching on uh, whatever I am not preaching on. So if I was preaching on Isaiah or the Old Testament book, I'd teach on the New Testament and vice versa. And so for the next few weeks, I'll just teach on kind of all of what we are reading. And uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, Carol Loeb says it's the best thing she's ever heard. So um, she is my official spokeswoman for the podcast now, if you want to ask her about it. <clears throat> but you know, as, I was, as I was looking at this, I wanted to kind of build the whole idea of, of stewardship because of where we are in the life of this church right now on this question of what if. Because normally when we ask that question, when we are thinking in terms of what if, there's, there's some sense of fear or regret when we ask that question. What if we had taken a different job? What if we hadn't eaten the gas station sushi? <laughs> There's always some level of, or even when we look ahead to the future and we're asking what if about the future, we do it with a sense of trepidation and fear more often than not, right? What if we get it wrong? What if we have already made the wrong choice? What if we mess this up? Many of you may have at one time in your life had to ask the question, what if this is not the person I should marry? And sadly, sometimes the answer is that it was not the person you should marry, right? We ask these questions with with fear. When we are faced with major decisions, we get fearful. When the future is uncertain, we get fearful. When change seems inevitable, we get fearful. But that question of of what if, we shouldn't be asking that from a place of fear, but from a place of excitement. We should be not worried about outcomes, we should be excited about possibilities, right? What if God blesses us? What if God starts a revival? What if we see miracles happen? That's how we should be approaching that question. It's not about being afraid. It's about being excited about what might happen. Not afraid of how we might mess up, but excited to see what God may do. So I'm going to read very briefly from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It's just three verses. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place my friends this is the word of the lord thanks be to god see god knows that our instinctive response in dangerous or uncertain times is to withdraw instead of extending trust we break trust because we think we can only trust ourselves When we find ourselves in in troubling and uncertain times, we tend to focus on how we can fix things. Trusting in God instead of trying to solve the problem ourselves just makes us more nervous, doesn't it? Think of all those times that, that you may have had to step out in faith not knowing what God was going to do. Weren't you terrified? We don't like doing that. We would much rather try and come up with a solution on our own. so we withdraw we weaken our commitment we stop giving and i don't just mean giving financially we stop giving of ourselves we stop showing up we stop committing spiritually we might even stop praying you might stop opening your bible we stop contributing our presence and our witness and our gifts We make ourselves an island, and then we wait to see how things will turn out. We hold on to whatever resources we have so that we feel that we are better able to weather the storm, and then we just sit back and watch. My daughter is the most fiercely independent two-year-old you'll ever meet. Under no circumstances is daddy allowed to help, whatever she's doing, right? She could be trying to open something and can't get it done, and she's, like, screaming because she's trying so hard. But if I reach down and try and help her, I might lose a finger. I've watched that child trying to climb onto the couch by herself, and she'll be suspended in midair, one leg over the cushion, clinging on for dear life, trying to pull herself up. And if I come over there and try and lift her up, she yells at me. She scolds me. She gets the finger out. She has no words, but she has the finger. She got that from her grandmother. (laughs) If she's trying to put together a little puzzle and she can't get the piece in, you know, she's two, so she doesn't try to put it in a different spot. She just tries to slam it even harder. And if I come up and say, why don't you try putting this over here? No, no, no. That gets the finger. And you know, it's cute when a two-year-old does it, right? So, and, and you may even be a little proud because you're glad to see that your daughter's going to be a strong, independent person, right? It's, it's kind of encouraging as a parent going, yes, no one's going to mess with you because you're terrifying. <laughs> but the truth is, this is actually how we all tend to be on some level or another. We don't like to accept help. We don't like to reach out for help. And, and. We are particularly reluctant to reach out to God for help. Even those of us who will gladly reach out to our community around us and ask for help, we do that before we would ask God for help. And this is all precisely the opposite of what God advises his people to do. And I want you to notice this is advice, this is not a command. This is advice that God is giving. He tells them if they will humble themselves and pray, they will find that God is working in their lives even now. But the first step is to humble themselves. That's not just a turn of phrase, it's not just something that's in there to make it sound more poetic, it's part of the process. First, you have to humble yourself. Why? Because that instinctive reaction to withdraw, to to make yourself an island, to not ask for help, to rely on all your own abilities and resources to fix your problem, that is a reaction that is born of pride. The assumption you're making is you can handle your own problems. The assumption we all make is that we can protect ourselves, we can provide for ourselves, and we can do those things better than anyone else, including God. So the first step is to humble ourselves, to recognize our own limits, to recognize our own inadequacies, to acknowledge that our resources and our abilities are ultimately insufficient. and Most importantly, we acknowledge that God recognizes our needs and that he can provide for us better than we can provide for ourselves. Now, this is not the same thing as just not giving up or not trying, right? I'm not telling you don't take medicine if you're sick. That's not where this is going, okay? I'm not telling you if you just pray hard enough, God will cure all your diseases. No! This is the first step. This is not the whole process. But the first step is to acknowledge that we don't have all the answers, we don't have all the solutions. There is a reason. Why it seems like so many of the things that that are floating around in our headlines and and in the news that that seem like problems that, that are too big for us to solve, there's a reason they seem that way, and it's because they are. This isn't just true individually, but for the human race as a whole, there are problems too big for us to solve. There are things beyond our comprehension. And until we acknowledge that this is true, we are going to have a problem. So we start from this posture of humility, acknowledging that that we don't have all the answers, we don't have the resources, we don't have the wisdom, and that there is a limit even to the collective wisdom of of our community. There are things beyond us. And then, then we pray. Because prayer is how we turn to God. Prayer is how we orient ourselves to who God is and what God wants. So we, we tend to worry about all these what ifs, but we should instead be excited by the possibilities. We all want the things that God promises. Because God promises that He'll solve our problems, God promises He'll provide for us, God promises Uh, good things will happen. He promises he'll defeat evil, he'll defeat our enemies, he'll keep us safe. Who wouldn't want all these things? And and if you pay attention when you're reading the Bible, God's promises are not just like saved up for some future date. It's not like God reserves all the good stuff for after you die. God's promises apply here and now. And we all want them. And the thing is, you can't have the promises without the process. And, And the process is Turning to God. Possibility is just to turn away. But turning is a process. So we humble ourselves, we pray, and then it says we seek God's face and we turn from our wicked ways. And that phrase, turn from our wicked ways, it's summed up in the New Testament as repent. That's what repentance is. It's not an apology. Repentance is a, a turning. It is a change in your heart, a recognition that you are doing some things which you should not be doing, and a sincere desire and effort to turn yourself around and do things differently. And so when we do those things, we follow through in that process, that is when we begin to see God at work. One of those things we are going to have to repent from is, is that insistence on doing things all on our own on trusting in ourselves more than we trust in god that that is when we start to see god at work god isn't going to bless our church because we have the best music or the best building or the nicest and friendliest congregation god blesses the churches that trust in him People like to look around at all these huge mega churches, and they see the great music, and they see the pastors who dress better than I do, and who have better teeth than I do, and maybe better hair than I do. Looking at you, Joel Osteen, um, and and you know they have these huge crowds that come in, and they have these big, giant, incredible buildings, and it looks like God is blessing them. And, and here's the truth: sometimes He is. Some of those mega churches are being blessed by God because, in some cases, their pastors and their leadership have actually trusted in God above all things. If you read the stories of some of those churches, there are indeed some of them where the leadership have had to step out in faith in uncertain times. They have trusted God through difficulties, and God has blessed them. But there are others. There are others that are different. There are others where people are drawn in by the music, by the charisma of the person on the stage, by the niceness of the building. And what happens in those churches is that when that pastor retires or steps down, the church dies. It falls apart and it splinters. And what is revealed is that all along it was not a church based on faith in Jesus. It was a church based on trust in one person. It was a church built around a personality and not a God. And that personality was attractive and it was a powerful, but, but it wasn't God blessing that church. It was people being drawn like moths to a flame because there was one person with a lot of charisma and a lot of vision and a lot of energy who built up something, but what they built did not last. So I'm not, I'm not preaching you a prosperity gospel here where if you just pray hard enough and are faithful enough, God will give you a mansion and a yacht and really nice teeth. That's not how it works. But the fact remains that so long as you don't put your trust in God, you are relying on your own resources, your own wisdom, and your own abilities. And so long as that is all you are relying on, you'll find that you always come up short. You'll find that your problems never go away piece of advice given to me a while ago that has proven to be extremely true is this if you're worried about money and you aren't trusting in god to provide for you you will never stop being worried about money It won't matter how much you have you will always be worried about it because money is not your problem your problem is that you aren't trusting in god and this would be true for whatever is the source of your worry It doesn't just apply to finances. It applies to every ounce of your life, every part of your being. If you're worried about something now and you are not putting your trust in God, that worry is not going to go away. You might fix this problem, but a new problem will pop right up. And you'll be worried again and you'll be fearful again. As long as you are trying to be self reliant, you will never feel secure. My friends, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to put your trust in God. I'm asking you to turn to God and to pray. What if, what if we pray? I know that the future is uncertain in so many ways, right? Not just within the church, but outside the church as well. The future is uncertain. But God is not uncertain. I'm convinced that God wants to use this church and this congregation to do great things. So I'm standing here asking you to commit to giving to this church in 2023. Not just of your money, but of your soul. To be here, to be present, to be engaged. In fact, I'm asking you to increase your giving if you can. Look, the the hard reality is it is more expensive to operate a church now than it was at this time last year. Insurance costs more, utilities cost more, the things that make a church go around cost more to do. Even if we were we do not invest more in our ministries next year, it's gonna be more expensive to operate this church in twenty twenty three than it was in twenty twenty two or in twenty twenty one. This is an inescapable fact. We're gonna need more money. And we're gonna need more of your presence, more of your gifts, more of your prayers. And I'm aware, I'm aware that asking you to commit to giving in 2023 is effectively asking you to commit to being part of this church come hell or high water. I know that. But here's the thing. That is exactly the commitment that I have already made to you. I'm not asking you to do anything that I am not doing myself. I have already told you I will be your pastor this time next year Whatever happens in the next six months, barring events beyond my control, right, I might get struck by lightning somewhere and not be your pastor, but so long as I'm in control of the situation, I'm not leaving. I will be your pastor next year whether you like it or not. I've got plans for, for teaching you the Bible, for, for teaching you how to be faithful disciples of Jesus, for keeping our ministries moving that are not going to change no matter what. And I'm here, and barring events beyond my control, I am not leaving. And so, in two weeks' time, I will turn in my own pledge card. Uh, will you? And if you're nervous or uncertain about the future, that's okay. I understand. Folks, The Bible would not say do not be afraid so many times if the people in the Bible were not afraid. All the folks who wrote these books, all the folks they were speaking to, they faced fear and uncertainty as well. So if you are afraid or uncertain, you are in good company. And the reality is, I am afraid and uncertain too. I'm not speaking to you as someone who's got it all figured out. I'm saying, just like you all, the uncertainty that lies ahead makes me nervous. But that is exactly why I am going to humble myself and pray. So I'm asking you to join me. And we'll do it right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, there are so many times when we wish you would just show us what lies ahead. That you could tell us right now what the future will be. But we know, we know that you are asking your people to step out in faith. God, we ask for the courage, for the strength to trust in you, even though we aren't totally sure where you're leading us, even though the future seems not just uncertain but downright scary. Help us, Lord. Help us to trust in you. Help us to discern your guidance and your wisdom. Help us to put you first in all things. Teach us, Lord, to love you, to trust you, and fill us with your peace, which surpasses all understanding. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.